Welcome to the Two Grumpy Bastards Podcast, where feelings aren't felt and snowflakes melt. Buckle up, it's gonna be a bumpy ride. These confines with a monarch's voice cry havoc! city steps. You insult my queen. You threaten my people with slavery and death. Oh, I've chosen my words carefully, Persian. Perhaps you should have done the same. This is blasphemy. This is madness. Madness. This is Sparta! They painted over ants. Welcome to the Two Grumpy Bastards podcast. We're coming at you on a Sunday afternoon. Um, I'm trying to watch the Masters in the background here, Russ, but my internet connection is so bad that I can't do that and do a podcast with you at the same time over Zoom. So, um, Why would you choose to voluntarily watch golf? I love watching golf. It's so relaxing. Well, yeah, it's designed to help you take a nap, but that's about it. Yeah, no, I mean, that's kind of what I'm into. Back in the day, I'd love to have a, you know, a, a nice little uh, adult beverage and watch a, watch some golf, and it's very relaxing. And it's always someplace beautiful and sunny, which it's been raining for about 20 hours straight here where I'm at in Washington State, and I think we're flooded in again. And I left my back window down in the Jeep last night, so that should be fun. Awesome. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was like 45 degrees here two days ago, and now it's 80. God, yeah. I We had one day, it was... Uh, Thursday when the hound and I went and played along the the beach and the water in Tacoma and some other places and it was 68 almost 70 degrees and then next day I got up and it's 34 and just pissing rain again here yeah it's gonna happen to us this next week as well yeah, I'm getting tired of it. And then, of course, where I chose to to uh, live here for a bit is one of the worst floodplains in all of Western Washington out here. And um, awesome. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it gets nasty. The ground never quite gets dry out here. It's pretty. It's pretty great. For, for all those folks out there in podcast land, I have changed my glasses. You'll have to let me know if I'm as aggressive as I once was. <laughs> you don't look nearly as aggressive. Although I can change. For those of you. Uh, on YouTube, I can change my contrast by raising my hands and lowering my hands. I have no idea why I do that. I am not really getting that. I guess I'd have to see where your camera's set up and stuff like that. Well, I'm guessing my skin is so white, it's like reflecting all light from the universe. You kind of do look like when I was a kid, my mom bought me one of those really cool like models at a at a garage sale for like 25 cents where it was the human body and it was clear and you could see all the organs and stuff like that. Hey, I just that. because I had a starring role in powder, that's no need to... <laughs> By the way, I also, hey, Coop, I want to thank you for uh, when you put up our advertisement on Facebook. I love how the, you pick out pictures that are the same, kind of the same way that you pick out emails to read. 
Um, they make you look like the Viking god, and I'm the one that's going here going like this. Wait till you see. Well, just uh, just to let everybody know, too, um, did another podcast yesterday. We uh, are adding a podcast to our podcast family. Um, ex-Endless Ranter, uh, Jane Fulton, our friend, great gal. We did a podcast which uh, we named uh, Beauty and the Bastard. Um, and I picked a equal. Of course, Cook says if you call, if anyone else calls her bastard, he'll rip her, he'll rip their lungs out. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I picked an equally uh, equally maybe not as flattering photo for her too. So we'll see what she says about that. Oh jeez. All right, I'm gonna have to figure out how to get access to this stuff to post stuff because, I mean, jeez. <laughs> I mean, it's bad enough I look like a psychopath when I try to smile. Anyway, you just go, you just make it a lot worse. I'd look like a pudgy asshole, so it's okay. I think but you can make yourself look somewhat flattering. I, I don't look flattering very much to begin with, and because the way my mouth moves, um, <laughs> and the way that I smile when I try to smile intentionally, I, I come across as a psychopath or someone who is uh, a touch slow, a little spectrumy, a little bit. Yes, yeah, a little spectrumy. Nah, you're fine, man. Um, that's fun. It's all good fun. We'll. Um, We'll get on with the podcast. I, I wanted to talk to you about a story that's uh, been in the news quite a bit up here, and I, I know you've heard of it too. But there's a there is a school uh, excuse me I should say school district in Washington State. It's part of uh, Tacoma, Southern Tacoma. It's called Clover Park. A lot of folks up here know where that's at. Um, just north of where uh, Fort Lewis and McCord Air Force Base, because I refuse still to say JBLM Joint Base Lewis McCord. I, I hate that shit. Um, very high population of uh, soldiers, kids. I actually know a few people that teach there. Um, a couple of my former buddies, I guess. I don't stay in contact with them anymore. Um, knew them pretty well. Um, they, they work on the junior high side, so I do know quite a bit about the school district, and I lived in the area there quite a bit. Um, population there, it's mostly minority, which is a strange word to use these days. I think 28% of the population is white. Um, kind of kind of stands to reason there's a high population of uh, people of color in the military, uh, particularly the army and stuff like that. So it stands to reason. Um, some pretty notable athletes came out of there in the day, including Javon Curse's uh uh, the freak's uh, nephew, Jermaine, who was a husky. So I'm very familiar with it. What's going on, though? Um, and I got there's a bunch of articles. I read the one from Jason Rance. Um, Love Jason Rance. Yeah, he's uh, a lot of you may have seen him uh, doing little guest spots on kind of an odd looking fellow, kind of an intense looking fellow. Um, but he'll very intelligent. Yo, he's very smart, and he's got a, he's got a podcast. And I'll tell you what, uh, I can't I can't f- keep up with his podcast because he puts out so much material and it's so rapid fire. He he must have a very good assistant or two, or he's just that brilliant because he he's he's um, he's a gay male who uh, a very conservative guy, um, a little bit Ben Shapiro-y, I think, as far as his intellect and his ability to kind of cover a lot of ground. He talks slower. He talks slower, definitely. But yeah, so he's got a, he's got a, uh, I don't listen to his talk show. I haven't listened to a radio talk show in ages, but he's on The Truth up here in Seattle. Really, really, really guns for those, the woke and the far left policies in the Seattle, Tacoma, Western Washington area. He's very good. Anyway, so he wrote a decent article out there on mynorthwest.com. And uh, I want to talk to you about it because basically just, just to roll it up, what the school board has voted to do is institute policies for discipline equity. And 
if you read between the lines and read some of it, there's a six-page policy. I skimmed it. I didn't read the entire thing. But basically taking ethnicity into account when determining disciplinary action towards students. And a couple of the school board members, I think it was a three to two vote. I think a couple of school board members came right out and said that, uh, you know, the um, one is just the most idiotic, most idiotic thing I've ever heard, example I've ever heard. One of the school board members said, well, of course, it's not fair to punish, you know, a white student and, a, and a, say, a Mexican or a black student the same because of their cultural differences and their family backgrounds. Maybe this kid, it's OK to steal a piece of pizza when he's at home. So why would we want to punish that kid just as much as the white kid if they stole a piece of pizza from the cafeteria? Yeah, that was Anthony Valiz that, that made that rather stupid analogy. Yeah, it, it's one of the worst analogies I've ever heard in my life. So... We, we talk a lot about this in the anti-woke movement. Equality and equity are not the same thing. Um, trying, to, trying to establish, a, as the this cliche goes, a level playing field for people is not what equity is. Equity is ensuring outcome. Okay, mm-hmm. not not providing opportunity, but ensuring outcome. This is an example of equity, of taking something away from one group and giving another group special special permissions, special privileges, all that kind of thing. So this is no shit. The school board up there did vote to take into account ethnicity and race for disciplinary policies. You know, there's a I don't I'm not a black and white guy when it comes to things. Um I'm a gray area guy, so if you have a kid from a troubled household, whatever color that kid is, you're going to you're going to look at that kid a little bit differently, I think. Um maybe, you know, try to help that kid a little more than you would otherwise, but um that has to be the soft science. There can't be it's the most racist thing I've heard of in, in ages, and we could go on and talk about this forever. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the floor here, but this is just disgusting. I don't have kids in school, um, so, you know, a lot of people, well, you don't have a dog in the fight. Well, actually, I, I do. It's America, and when I see this woke attitude that has infested, uh, I don't really think I know a single teacher. I grew up with a lot of people that became teachers, and I'm just going to be blunt. If some of them listen to the podcast, I'm sorry to say this, but most of them did that. Um, went to become teachers because it was a fairly easy <laughs> profession and a fairly easy major and graduate degree to get through. Um, I, this is out of the horse's mouth, you know. Hey, I only have to work 180 days a year, you know. Yeah, this is a great profession. Um, when I grew up, I thought my teachers were gods, I'll be honest with you. Most of them. There was a couple that I that I, I didn't really hold in very high esteem, but most of them I really did. That's a different generation. Most of that generation is in their 80s um, that were my teachers. That kind of thing. Totally different generation. Totally different. Um, you know, I always thought the teachers dressed terrible because they were really poor. And uh, a lot of the teachers I knew actually got summer jobs, uh, driving truck or, or whatever to help supplement the income. Or they were married to another teacher. I can tell you two of the guys that I know that are in the Clover Park School District are junior high teachers and make north of 130k a year. This is public knowledge. You can look it up um, anywhere, any teacher in Washington State in a database and see exactly what they make because it's it's a government job. Um, so this has gone so far now. I guess I guess since masks aren't in vogue and they can't beat us beat up the kids with the the masking policy as much now. Now they're going after things like, hey, we're going to determine your punishment level based on your skin color. It's it's so insane that I don't even know how to analyze it, that anybody would even have had the idea to go through this. You know, like I said, it's one thing to be 
you know, informal and subjective when you're in charge, like you're a principal or you're a deputy superintendent and you're making decisions based on students to have some of that gray area in there. That's what we all do all the time, you know, making decisions based on that. But to actually have a hardcore policy that basically says, hey, the 28 percent of you in this school, if you do exactly the same thing that your buddy over there does based on your skin color, we're going to punish you harsher. And that's that's reality. That's not hyperbole. Anybody wants to read the policy, it's out there. Um. So I do want to address a couple of points. First, when folks say that you have no dog in this fight, um, that's that's garbage because these these students are going to be in the real world, uh, making real world decisions, both from a business standpoint and a political standpoint at some point. So part of the reason we have public education to begin with is the social contract theory that we all have a dog in the fight because there is societal good to having an educated population. So if you say I don't have a dog in the fight, great, then don't make me pay taxes for the public schools. Okay, I pay taxes. If I'm paying for something, I have a, I have a stake in it. If I have to live in a society that is uh, governed or some in some way overseen by people that that system produces, then I have a dog in that fight. Yeah. So that's not just... You know, you don't have a kid, so you don't have a say. That's that's bullshit. That's, that's just, I, I attribute the same way as I do when people say you're not a soldier, so you shouldn't be able to talk about foreign policy. That's not the way. That's not the way the the country works. That's a lunacy. Yeah. Um, now it's interesting. We've gotten so far away from Martin Luther King's vision of being judged by the content of your character rather than the color of your skin. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you're right there. People, the choice of the word equity was deliberate because it sounds so much like equality. Right. And it is designed to force people into a corner where they don't feel comfortable speaking out against it because then they don't they don't want to be seen as being against equality. I'm all for equality of opportunity. I am not for equality of outcome because a whole bunch of things go into outcome. I am five foot seven and a half on a good day. Um, I weigh about 180 ish pounds. Uh, I am not very coordinated. I have the same opportunity as anybody to go to the NBA, but I was never going to make it because my skills, my physical attributes just weren't there. And that's the reality of life is some people have talents in some areas and some don't. Um, But the, uh, so getting the equality of opportunity is one thing. And even that we understand there's going to be some variance. A kid who grows up, in Westchester, New York, going to a private school and his parents are a high powered attorney and a finance broker. Yeah. It's going to have some better opportunities. I get that. Um, But that doesn't mean that you need to force outcomes because outcomes are not only affected by how you are born, but by the choices you make during life. So that's got to be part of it. Now, this policy, while I understand the so-called compassion behind it, it's, it is not a compassionate policy because it's going to set these kids up for failure when they become adults. Yeah. Because they're not going to develop discipline. They are not going to understand the consequences of actions and the police, the court systems, a business that is hiring them is not going to care when they, when they, you know, make it, when they make a mistake of some kind, like, and I don't mean just a regular mistake, but if like, Hey, I'm a little bit short in cash tonight to be able to eat. I need to take a few bucks out of the register. Um, the, their boss and the police are not going to overlook that. Um, 
Additionally, I don't know that the school board really gave a lot of thought to the litigation they're opening themselves up to. If I was the parent of a child who got punished differently than someone else based on the color of my child's skin, I feel fairly sure that there is a case to be made under the 1964 Civil Rights Act mm-hmm. for uh, discrimination. Sure. I, I would be matter of fact, if I was if I had a child in that school system, I would be talking to a lawyer right now and making that case. Um, while I agree with you, Coop, there, there needs to be some there, there's always should be some subjectivity in our disciplinary actions. But the two most predominant factors, in my opinion, need to be one, the offense. How egregious is the offense? And two, what is the past record of someone committing the offense? Right. Was this a one time deal where, you know, somebody, I don't know, they were at a friend's house, they had a beer and they drove home and they'd never done it before and we don't want to destroy their lives? Or is this somebody that habitually does stuff and, you know, this is their their fifth or sixth offense? And it's going to take I mean, there's a reason why we have graduated levels of punishment in our criminal justice system. And I understand school discipline is different than uh, the criminal justice system to an extent. I understand that. But we are trying to prepare these children for life in uh, society, for life in the real world. Um, You talked about uh, teachers and their wokeness. Now, those who know me, especially those who know me on Facebook, know that I am not a big fan of the public education system. While there are teachers I adore, there are a lot of teachers, quite frankly, that I have a problem with. Um, Look, I get teaching can be a hard profession in terms of time involved, in terms of sometimes the commitment you make, especially during the school year. I completely understand that. Um, But I have a problem, first of all, with this martyrdom complex that a lot of teachers have thinking themselves above society because look at the sacrifice I put in. Well, look, lots of people put in sacrifices. Okay. You know, that guy who's working, you know, the garbage shift for the city and is working every day of the year, except for paid federal holidays uh, or the guy down at the bank who's working, you know, 10 hours a day and does not get a day off except for bank holidays. Doesn't get the summers off. Doesn't have as good a healthcare plan or job security. Everybody puts stuff in. Okay. So the, the martyrdom, kind of gets on my nerves, especially when coupled with the fact that you have to screw up in a major, major way to get fired as a teacher. Um, It's determined by seniority and governmental contract status, vice, your competence for the job. Since we're not allowed to fire a lot of teachers, that's how mediocrity comes in. Uh, And the, the wokeness of teachers comes from several sources. One, it comes from and I'm going to piss people off when I say this, and I get it, but it's it's reality. It comes from the teaching of knowledge versus the application of knowledge. Um, there is an old saying, I don't completely agree with it, but I understand it. it says those who can do, those who can't teach. Okay, And I, I've taught in the past at a couple of different levels. I've taught at university undergraduate level. I have taught at uh, graduate level stuff. I, so you know, I, I get some of the commitment, but... You know, there is a difference between teaching, you know, leadership or teaching how to evaluate someone versus actually doing it. And so I wonder how much of going into teaching is commitment to future generations and how much is trepidation about applying skills 
outside of an educational environment that maybe folks don't feel up to. And I know that's going to vary from person to person and teacher to teacher. There's going to be people who are in there because they just love it and, and they are great at it. But there are going to be, be people who are in teaching because they cannot make it outside of an educational environment. Um, I've had this, look, we could do an entire podcast on what I would do to fix the public education system. I've had conversations with a dozen or more people uh, over social media in the last three weeks about my disdain for public education. A couple of them are teachers. A couple of them are principals, both at the middle school and high school level. Um, so th- there are, we could do an entire podcast on that, but <sighs> teachers going in now, they're insulated from so much. So they can push a lot of political propaganda. When I was in school, three of my teachers, I knew what their politics were. Um, one, because it was a U.S. history course and debate and conversation was part of the course. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, one uh, kind of le- one of them was a, a foreign language teacher who I would go over. We as a class would go over to her house like a couple times a semester to have dinner you know, because I very stupidly studied French instead of Spanish because I wanted to be different. <laughs> uh, but we'd go over and have like a, a French meal and try and talk in French. And she would discuss some stuff in her home. And then one was the school clubs advisor who tried to keep the uh, young Republicans out of high school because she was a hardcore Democrat. And this was in the late 80s, early 90s. Wow. Um, and we got past that. But th- But in my entire academic career, I must have had you know, three dozen different teachers, both, you know, from regular to elementary school to teachers that I took. I'm probably more than that, probably 50 or 60. Um, most of them, I had no idea what their politics were. I had no idea what their private lives were. You know, you'd say, hey, so what's going on with with your husband or your wife? And the standard response was, that's my private life. It's none of your business. Um, now, some of the wokeness in school, uh, some of this stuff that you're talking about, whether it's whether it is the disciplinary discrepancies, whether it is uh, differences in grading standards, whether it, whether it is polit- some political indoctrination for transgenderism or whatever, uh, I do wonder how much comes from the teachers themselves and how much comes from teachers who uh, go along to get along. Some folks may be in there because if they feel if they speak out against prevailing wisdom, they're either going to be ostracized or lose their jobs. And that's a very real aspect of some of this. I think a lot of folks, much like actors or comedians, you can kind of tell the, the, more, the more centrist or conservative ones by the ones who keep their mouths shut, the ones who don't talk up as much. Um, but policies like this one in the Cloverfield District are harming students. Uh, additionally, it also shows the disparity between the mindsets of a conservative and a liberal or a leftist maybe would be a better term yeah because most conservative or libertarian or even centrist what we usually want is just to go live our lives be left alone um what i see out of a lot of leftists is they won't let that happen they they want to be involved and they're forcing a pushback they're they're forcing people who don't want to get involved to get involved um we've got uh stuff going on cloverfield for like you said it's a a, near Fort Lewis, which is a much more conservative area. But if you look across the country, look to what just happened in Waukesha up in Wisconsin recently, very blue area, uh, had three open school board seats, just elected Republicans to all of them. Now, I'm not here to shill for the Republican Party. The Republican Party there is a stand in for either conservatives or 
folks who have not gone completely insane on some of the woke stuff. Um, I mean, I don't know. Do you want you want to let folks know what happened in San Francisco recently? Oh, sure. Yeah. Their recall election with the board members in San Francisco, um, based on a lot of the uh, leftists, uh, CRT, uh, critical race theory, um, a lot of the sex education stuff that was being crammed down these kids. Renaming buildings instead of teaching kids. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, it just it, it was a, it was a fucking junk show down there. Um, yeah. D- trying to trying to rename high schools that were named after Abraham Lincoln and George Washington and stuff like that, being concerned about that during during the height of the epidemic. Oh, by the way, so that pissed a lot of parents off. And you're talking the most liberal spot in the world. And yeah. uh, they recalled three school board members. Was it three? It was two or three? Three. I think it was two. But was two? to put it in perspective, the recalls were not particularly close. No, my All God, no. were recalled by like 70%. It wasn't like the presidential election. It was like, I think one of them was like 83% of people. Yeah, it was It was not particularly close. I know both of them were above 70% that came down on the on the uh, in favor of recall side. And by definition, these parents that, that did that during the, these are progressive people. I, I would assume nine out of 10 of these people are fairly progressive in their in their political oh, yeah. views. They would think, so, they would think that, you know, a Republican or conservative, if they walked in sunlight, would burst into flames. <laughs> right. Well, they would want uh, yeah. a libertarian like me to burst into flames. But that would be a really hot heat. That'd be a lot of good uh, belly fat keeping that fucker hot. But uh, um, no, yeah. So that's that's astonishing. Um, I know one of your one of your favorite fellas in the political scene right now, the Virginia governor. That was a hundred percent based on public school policies. How he how he got elected. That it was a hundred percent, and that Virginia is not a red state. Everybody, it is not a red state. What did they? What was it like sixty eight percent Biden during the last presidential election or something like? That? I don't think it was quite that much, but it hasn't gone it was very high. It was very high. I might. It not. hasn't gone red since two thousand four. Um, the last Senate election in that was even close was two thousand six, uh, when George Allen made the infamous and very stupid Macaca remark, and right. then he lost. I don't remember who won. I don't remember the Democrat that won. I can't remember either. Um, it might have been Warner, but I'm not positive. Regardless, um, Virginia is not a blue state. But one of the things that happened was Terry McAuliffe, who had been the governor there before, mm-hmm. um, he uh, he said the quiet part out loud. One of the things about politics when you're running for office, make it easy to vote for yourself and hard to vote for your opponent. Well, Terry McAuliffe, during one of the debates, flat out said, Parents should not be should not have a say in the curriculum that's being taught at their schools. And a lot of parents, especially a lot of suburban moms, so are like, what are you talking about? That's my child. And right. this is a conversation I've had with multiple teachers is I'm look, you can care deeply about a lot of stuff, but you do not love my child as not even more, but as much as I do. They're going to be in your classroom for about eight hours for 180 days a year. And then they're moving on. And they you know, maybe you'll kind of keep track of them as they get through school. If you're lucky, half a dozen of them will let you know how they're doing when they're young adults. And then you'll never hear from them again. Parents will look after their children for the rest of their lives. Now, I'm not I'm not talking about helicoptering, but did you ever read the book Shit My Dad Says? Yeah, I used to follow that uh, on on. Um... Back when back when Twitter wasn't the moral wasteland that it is now, I used to follow that guy. Well, during during part of during part of that book, the author went to Mexico and his parents had a have a preternatural fear fear of Mexico. Um, they found out he was in Mexico. He comes back and his dad like starts yelling at him and all this other stuff, and it ends up becoming like this warm moment where they hug. 
And the dad finally says, look, right here, be careful what you stick your thing into, because this right here, this level of worry, it never goes away. No matter how old your children get, you will always worry about your children. You will love your children more than anybody else, whether it's a teacher, whether it is a friend, anything. And look, I'm not trying to insult folks out there. And Coop, I'm not trying to insult you when I say this. But, I, but you're going to anyway. Honest, no, honest to God, I did not understand it until I had children. You can't. It's 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 like going to combat. You can describe it, but you can't fully grasp I, I, the feeling until you have children. That doesn't offend me. I mean, everybody knows what a fool I am for that four-legged kid of mine. And yeah. uh, I, I woke up this morning, you know, and, and uh, well, I woke up at midnight and then didn't get back to sleep till seven. I slept for 10 minutes, but then uh, that's a, that's another story. That's pretty much every night. But I just look at that dog and I ache. I love that dog so fucking much. And we spend, we, we, we spend a few minutes a day not together when he goes outside and lays in the sun. So I can just imagine that times a million. And I just remember yeah. I was very close to my mother, as you know, losing her was devastating. Um absolutely devastating she was the love of my life and i know i know i could tangibly feel how much my mom loved me and you look back at stuff and you go fuck you know i should i should have said this or i should have said that or i but my mom no i knew i loved her too and i think that's part of being a parent is that even when your kids are fuckheads like i was and putting her and, and ken through hell uh later in life i knew that love was there and she knew uh, it too. i think look this, this is gonna sound sappy this is going to annoy the atheists in the audience. Tough shit. Um, my personal feeling on one of the reasons why God wanted us to become parents was so that we could have the smallest amount of understanding of his love for us. That's part of the parental relationship is if you can understand the love you have for your children, you have an inkling of what God's love for you is like. Yeah. And you know, I'm not trying to get religious and stuff, but that there are purposes to everything that happens. And I think that's a purpose to it. But going back to the original, um, these these uh, people on the school board who did infiltrate a conservative area, they, they relied on the apathy of conservatives and centrists who don't like to get involved in that stuff because it's just they're out there. The conservatives and the centrists and even a lot of liberals are just out there living their lives. You know, they're making money. They're trying to get their kids to soccer practice. They're trying to get to ballet lessons. They're trying to take care of getting their kids to college, so on and so forth. So they don't have time for the politics, much less to run for office. And a lot of activists have taken advantage of that. And again, they think they are being compassionate with these disparate policies. Not only are you teaching the children, however, that their skin color is more than their actions, you are also not setting them up for success in the real world. You're compact. There's the reason the saying is the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Your compassionate policies are going to have the exact opposite effect as these kids grow up. They're not going to be up to standards. They are not going to understand what is expected of them. And it is much, much harder to inculcate values and responsibility as a grown up than it is as a child. You're much more malleable as a child. That's why education is targeted at the young because they are malleable. So it, it, well, I think it was um, to use a very harsh example here. I think it was Joseph Stalin, I believe it was either him or Lenin that said, give me a child for the first six years of their life. And I will tell you what the next 60 years of their life will be like. Sure. Um, sure. They understand that if you can get in there early, you can either indoctrinate them or you can mold them. One of the two. But that's that's part of what is behind the push of so many teachers and so many administrators 
to grab a hold of our children so young because they understand they are malleable. Um, and it's, it's part of the reason why parents are so invested in education because I know I want my values passed on to my children. Now I understand they're going to, they're going to have their own mind. Like, you know, like Miyagi told Daniel-san once, you know, you decide your own way one, this is one day, but you, you, I've always told my daughter, I don't want to tell her what to think. I want her I think whatever she wants, but I want her to understand why she thinks that, why she believes the way she does. But you spend the first few years of a child's life trying to inculcate those values. And when you go to a policy like this and you say, you know, consequence will be based on skin color. Consequence is not based on your actions. That's not going to wash in the real world. Because right. you go out and you go out and let's say get drunk and run into a SUV full of kids. The judge isn't going to care what your skin color is. Um, and if I can guarantee you, if the judge doesn't do something, you know, there would be a return of vigilante justice on something like that. Right. You know, the real world has consequences and it's better to learn them in school, regardless of your background. There's, we have all kinds of backgrounds in, in the United States, um, but we are trying to live in a common society. So there has to be a foundational baseline of values, whether it's don't steal, don't lie, work hard, show up on time. Those are not values that are based on skin color. Those are values based on what has worked for two centuries. Unfortunately, um, the loony, some of the loonies on the left have now said that those are uh, those type of values are white values, not human values. Yeah, I, I would like them to tell like, that too. Like learning math is is uh, racist, or or insisting somebody be on time is racist, and it's a yeah, white I'd like patriarchy to, privilege fucking bullshit stuff. And yeah, I'd like them to tell that to, to Thomas Sowell, the Nobel uh, Prize winning right. economist, or Denzel Washington, one of the best actors that has ever. Uh, grace the screen. Um, tell, I wonder if, yeah, I wonder if, I, if Thurgood, I wonder if Thurgood Marshall was late for shit all the time and didn't do his yeah. homework. Hey, as much as I do not like a lot of his politics, tell that to LeBron James, one of the you know yeah, five to ten greatest basketball players of all time, who worked his ass off to become. Regardless of what I think of some of his social outlook, he worked his ass off to become one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Without question, and he didn't do it the- because he was decided not to not to show up or not to work hard. No, fuck no. The guy's got the guys. The guys. Yeah, like you said, his politics are sketchy with me too. But his worth ethic. You can't challenge his work ethic over the years. Yeah, uh, you can't. You know, neither Michael Jordan. We talked about him last time, or or any of these. Yeah. Michael yeah. Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. I agree with you there. I agree with you there. Um, I'm a. I'm a. Wasn't a huge fan of his when he was playing, and God, God rest his soul, but I was a huge Kobe fan as far as in that argument of top few basketball players of all time. Um, again, a guy that just busted his balls all the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, no, I, and I appreciate that. I, like We've had this conversation. I just really, really appreciate people like that. You know, one thing I was going to ask you, and I won't get into my we'll, – we'll move on here to another topic, but – I, I, I probably had it a lot different than a lot of folks. You know, I'm in my early 50s now, and I went to a very small school, very small high school. There was, um, in my graduating class, I believe there was 23 kids in my graduating class. Wow. It was one of the smallest schools in the history of the school until the timber industry died in the in the late 90s and stuff after I was no longer in high school. But um, I shouldn't say it died. It was killed by the Clinton administration and their ridiculous policies. Yeah. But, no, that's, that's for a different... Another rant. That's a, that's another rant, but you know I I did know my teachers pretty well um, because it's a small school and their kids are in school and you're friends with their kids and you end up going, 
you know, I had a pretty tough home life. I'll just leave it at that. I know a lot of the teachers that I had knew that. I didn't know that then, but I know later in life that that's why I was always... I had one family. Uh, mom was a teacher. Dad was teacher. One of my favorite people that's ever lived. Um, um, son, who I was very good friends with all the way through high school and college, uh, became a teacher. And I would go on vacations with them during the summer. They, I mean, I was like one of the family. And then, you know, um, uh, Mr. C, he would, uh, in the morning, he'd like, oh, hey, I knew Coop fellow was here because my couch cushions were missing because I'd take him in Rob's room and lay on the floor and sleep in there. You know? <laughs> and so I was very, but that was a different, that was a different time. But I can tell you this, there was never a time... I was also very close with this lady who I hold very, very dear. Um, she was a mother figure to a lot of us, and she was crazy. She was woo-woo. She's definitely left us, but she was such a lovely person and a wonderful teacher and just kind of crazy fun. Uh, I still adore the shit out of her. Um, she, uh, um, you know, I was friends with her her kids, too. I was over at their house a lot, and you, you could have that close relationship, but there's no fucking way I would have crossed the line. There's no way I would have disrespected that because it was a privilege for them to treat me more of an because I was a, I was a very smart kid, straight A students and all that, and I I was a little and wise humble. beyond, huh? And humble, humble. <laughs> I was a smart kid. I'm not that guy anymore, but hey, I was no, I I, I I'm uh, just giving you smart. shit. You were you were always smart. I, I played sports, you know, and uh, uh, and was a good citizen. You know, I was cocky little fuck, and I definitely had my uh, oh, oppositional defiance disorder because of how I was raised. <laughs> that was there. And I usually thought I was the smartest person in the room, even when there were older people in the room, um, whether that was true or not. But I can tell you what, the respect and love I had for those folks for treating me like that, for treating me with that special, you know, um, you're a good kid, and we kind of get what's going on with you, and... Uh, you know that there was there was a there was a level above teacher relationship there. There was a little bit of a parental, even a friendship. I would say I I became personal friends with some of my coaches and and teachers after I graduated and came back. You know, and, um, funny thing is I still call Mister or Mrs. or Ms. Uh, yeah. last name. I cannot call any of my old teachers by their first name. It doesn't like trying to call one of your old officer bosses. You know, Mike or something. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, I I don't think I'd be able to do that, but. Uh, it was a different there was a level of respect there and part of that level of respect was because there wasn't any feeling about okay i'm trying to turn you into this or this is my opinion you have to eat it wholesale or anything like that there was a level of respect for whatever was said and i know i probably made them snicker a few times with my oh i think you and i share this a little bit russ but my uh how, how can i put this my insistence that i was right arrogance yeah <laughs> Look, I, I had it too any the, the way that I was best described by somebody at one of my high school reunions was I was that kid on his knees in his seat, waving his hand in the air saying, I know the answer. Yeah, you were that guy. Uh, but uh, um, it was it was kind of funny in my in. Uh, I'm still really good friends with the gals who uh, did the the, you know, the high school annual that came out. And I'm actually my senior year. There's a picture of me among the faculty and it says vice principal. <laughs> One of my good female friends did that as kind of a joke and also to kind of take a little shot at me because I I did act like that. Um, and the teachers let me get away with whatever all the time because I was a good kid. I didn't get in trouble, you know, good grades, you know, and, and all that. Um, but it was so different. The environment was so different. I, I, I look at it now and I'm wondering, you know, we won't get deep into this, but the parental rights bill... Hello, everybody. Parental rights bill that was passed in Florida to protect five, six, and seven-year-olds from from things that sexual only, indoctrination. The only parents should be having that conversation with them. I'm sorry, it's fucking bull- the the cockiness and the arrogance of teachers. And I'm looking at teachers going, 
I know a lot of teachers, and I'll tell you what, the smartest fuckers I have ever known in my life were my fellow military professionals. Um, you're an infantry officer. You were an infantry officer. Uh, you're always going to be an infantry officer, but yeah. people people think, oh, it's about, you know, shooting guns and doing this. The smartest, people, the smartest people I knew on planet Earth to this very day, including you, were infantry officers because you had to be so well-rounded. You had to have... NFL football coaches, kind of the same mentality. There's so many things going on in your head all at the same time, and you're everything from a logistics expert to a weapons expert to, you know, having to maneuver big pieces on the battlefield. I I would say and the most educated group as well, um, some of the smartest people I've ever met. I don't have that same thought for the modern teacher. When I was a kid, I worshipped the ground teachers walked on. I did. And I had a... Maybe I needed to take the wax out of my ears a little bit. There's a couple of coaches I'd like to go back and kick right in the fucking nuts, but... Um, um, they're too old now. I'd get thrown in prison for the rest of my life. But um, the, uh, I, I don't know, just that whole feeling, the whole grossness of this leftist wokeism coming out of teachers. Like you heard that one teacher when they were talking about that bill and she was all proud about the fact that she didn't have an American flag. She had the gay pride flag and you can pledge allegiance to the gay pr- You know what? I'm going to tell you something flat out. And, and <laughs> again... I, I am not a hater. I'm not. But what I hate is this small little subset of humanity making such a big deal all the time. If that te- if my kid was in that school and my teacher pulled that shit, I, it would be on. It would be on like Donkey Kong. There's no fucking way. I would pull my kid out of that class. Not because I want my kid to learn how to hate gay people because this has no place in here. What are you teaching in here? This is my job or my wife's job or whoever's job to to teach these kids about these these things outside of what we consider our norm. Not fucking arrogant fucking 24-year-old fucks who uh, who were C students by definition probably in high school. At least most people I know were. They weren't, you know, the straight A people did other things for a living for the most part. Um, like did shit like went in the army. Woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> Guilty. Guilty. But uh I don't know. I, I It really hurts me to the core because I can tell you, had it not been for the teachers, and this is very personal to me, that's why I get so worked up about this, if it had not been for those great teachers that I came up with in a small town who just, there was so much talent there and we had such a good time, um, my life would have, you know, I've, I've had my difficulties in life, but I don't think I would have made it through my adolescence or my, my teen years uh, very successfully. Knowing that I was cared about and there was a place to go where I could shine and be told, you're smart, you're a good kid, I really appreciate you. I wasn't getting that at home at the time, you know, and uh, that meant a lot to me. And so this, the way this has changed, and we can get off topic here, but I just, I just kind of want to put that out there because it's very personal. And it, I do have a dog in the fight because I remember being that kid who... Dude, I didn't want to be home. Fuck, I never wanted to be home. I wanted to be in school. or play, And I played every sports mostly just to avoid being home, you know? Did everything I could. Um, I was on every club. I did everything I possibly could. I was Joe High School. I was kind of sickening. You probably would have hated me. But um, uh, it... Uh, it I don't know. And I had really good friends, you know, that we were, we didn't have cliques so much, you know, we, we could be jocks and really good at school at the same time. That was, that was kind of the thing. Uh, do everything all the time. It... it personally hurts to see what these young kids have to go through now or what they're not getting. Um, and I know, I, and I'm going to say this as a blanket apology. God, yes, I know there's some great teachers out there. And I can think of several off the top of my head that I know personally that I think I would love my kid to be in that person's class. That is, that is, a, that is a fucking awesome person. And that's the kind of person I would want teaching my kid. Um, but it's, dude, it's gone off the rails. And it's just such an arrogance now that they think that they have the right. And I know 
hate people hate the word indoctrination. I do love, however, that the left hates that the conservatives are calling these people groomers that are against these bills and all pissed off about that because, hey, it's fine. You know, I, I look like this, so I'm a Nazi, obviously, or I'm a libertarian, so I'm a Nazi, obviously. That's fine to call. Um, or like the Re- Republican or uh, Democratic National Committee chairman calling, um, oh, uh, oh, the senator, I'm sorry. He said he was... Uh, um, full of, what did he say? Like something like full of uh, um, maggots, maggot infested something something, because he was. I'm not familiar with this one. The Supreme Court justice a little bit was. Um, oh, uh, Tom Cotton. Tom Cotton. Thomas. No, 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 no. Um, this Jackson, he was the one kind of going at her for uh, Gitmo and some other things. Oh, okay. I think I think that was Tom Cotton, and uh, the Republican National Committee chairman says he's a maggot infested man. The Democratic National Committee. De- Democratic. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember his name. He's an African American fellow. Um, that's okay, but when and I believe if you're really truly against things like that, give parents the rights of control over their kids. Um, and you want that ability to be able to tell kids about these things that are none of your business to tell kids. Yeah, I think calling you groomers appropriate. I do. Yeah. Um, first of all, yeah, just to agree with you, the, the, the folks who have called uh, anyone to the right of Che Guevara Nazis and racists for the last 20 years would, let you, would like you to know that they're very uncomfortable being called groomers. Yeah, and they can go fuck um, them too, by the way. Uh, first of all, we better be careful, Coop. I mean, some of our listeners here may... I think we're stroking each other a little bit too much, doing some cupping here if we agree too much. But oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what were you uh, buffing each other's balls? I believe was the term I got from one of something our like that. But to to kind of uh, take, Katie, I'm talking um, about you. To to kind of extrapolate off of one of the points you just made, the the parental rights bill in Florida is mainly targeted to K through three because we don't need folks having sexual conversations with K through three-year-olds. I'm sorry, right. K through third graders. Excuse me. Right. That's usually five age five through age eight. Um, I can tell you when I was in kindergarten through third grade, I had no idea my teachers were not robots that were designed by the school, put away at the end of the day in a closet and came out to teach us every day. My third grade teacher, uh, Mrs. Gower, I had a vague indication she had a life outside of school only because um, her son was in one of the other third grade classes down the hall. Uh, As far as anything else outside of that, I was in eighth grade before I was able to make the association that any of my teachers were autonomous human beings outside of school. And that's only because my drama teacher uh, brought her toddler son to one of the uh, junior high basketball games. And then later that year, she got pregnant. That's the only, that was was like the first time I made the association. Hey, they have, they have lives outside of this K through three. I had no idea. Even when a friend of mine, uh, his mom was one of the teachers, was actually my teacher. I never made that association because my mind didn't operate on that level. There is a reason they are going after children this small, and it's not to teach tolerance. It's because they are malleable at that age. Mm-hmm. If he was really not trying to teach tolerance and other stuff, they'd save that for high school level when kids can look at the evidence to an extent and make a reasonable determination between various points of view. But I mean, you, you tell a kid at the age of seven that something is a certain way, they are going to accept it as that way, and they're going to find ways to form a rationale around it. So they're doing this very deliberately. Um, I, I am going to continue to call them groomers. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. If you're trying to, to make children be more comfortable, talk about sexual orientation, whether it is gay or straight. I don't want you talking about sexual orientation at all. I hear you. With a five-year-old or six-year-old, that, that's just – 
That's just out of bounds. Preserve children's innocence for as long as you can. Um, if you're going to have those conversations, it is going to groom them to be more receptible down the way. Whether you intend on diddling little kids or not, it's going to make them more susceptible to others who want to do that. So st- if you don't like being called a groomer, stop it. Teachers who are upset about this stuff, speak out. I, one of the reasons, one of the other reasons why I uh, have have not particularly cared for some teachers recently is because if you disagree with it, then damn it, find your courage and speak out. Because until then, I'm going to have to assume that you agree with it. All right. Do not just sit, try this, this sneak in the middle thing where hey, you don't call all of us that. Well, if you oppose something that much then speak out about it, otherwise I don't want to hear you griping about it. Anyway, that's the end of my rant about this. If we want to move on, but I, I just, yeah, no, that's great stuff. I just one one thing, one thing to wrap it up. Um, I, I say this about a lot of stuff. If this country is so racist, how did we elect a black president two terms in a row? If this country is, you know, this or that, how, okay, here's my thing. Does it work or does it fucking not? So after a generation of these types of policies of expansion of sex education, are there fewer abortions? Are there fewer out of wedlock babies? Or did anything get better with the expansion of this shit? Fuck no, it didn't. Did it got worse. We, it got worse. You know, oh, Trump was a terrible president. Really? Really? You didn't like your life better two and a half, three years ago than you like it today? You know, as far yeah. as your buying power. And I got to tell you, inflation's killing me, Russ. I'm on a fixed income and my fixed income didn't go up by much. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's killing me, too. I've, I've been noticing it everywhere from gas prices to and I realize it's going to make me sound like a turd. But some mornings I get like a McDonald's breakfast. That's gone up by over a buck. Um, it's it just I, I noticed these things. I it, This has happened within the last six months. These policies are not fucking working. They have not worked. So why are we still doing it? Why are you so – I got to tell you, if, if, I, if I was in a company like that and the policies were this and it didn't work, do you think I would, I would not speak up? I would not go, what the fuck are we doing? We need to change the, our direction here. You know, oh, they're, we, lost they're wedded to it. On, we lost every game in the varsity football season. Well, something needs to fucking change, doesn't it? And, we're, and that's the way this country is now. It doesn't matter how much they lose as long as their little fucking Napoleonic complexes are, are intact with being in charge. Yeah, well, people, you know how much people dislike admitting that they are wrong or they were wrong. And so a lot of it's a pride issue. A lot of you know, they're just so wedded to it. They, they really believe it works. Um, it was Einstein who said, keep doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. That's the definition of insanity. Um, I, it seems like we have to learn these, relearn these lessons every couple of decades given the fact that, you know, we tried this, we tried this shit in the seventies and resulted in horrible policies. The only reason FDR was able to get away with it in the thirties was because the depression was so bad. And then we had threats in Asia and Europe, but FDR was basically the first socialist president. His policies were garbage. They, every economist agrees they prolonged the depression by at least eight years. So you had the thirties, had the early thirties, late seventies, and now you have the early 20s. It's like every 40 to 45 years, we seem like we have to go through this shit to remind ourselves how stupid it is. Yeah, but you know, you and I are just a couple of, uh, I'm a I'm a pragmatic libertarian that makes me the most evil guy in the whole world because I just want shit to work. I just want shit to work. Yep. You know, I'm, I'm, I want I'm, it to work and I want people to leave me alone. Yes. And I want to, I want to treat people kindly and, and with compassion and, and get along with people, you know, as a, as a, as a third thing too. But like, as I'm fond of saying, you know, when I worked for corporate America or in the army, it's safety first and eh, safety about third or fourth. Safety yeah. first doesn't really get the job done. <laughs> Not in combat. <laughs> no, sir. Let's talk a little bit about um, um, Elon Musk. And uh, oh, I love Elon Musk. I, you know, you know, I man crush on that guy so bad. I wish he was in charge of the universe. Um, 
But uh, I, I just love how pragmatic he is. I love how, you know, when, when we talk about the conversion to green energy, he's like, I own the biggest green energy thing on planet Earth, and we're not ready for that. So I don't mind losing some money so we can get the prices down at the pump. But uh, yes, uh, he is the majority shareholder in the evilness that is Twitter. What do you think? Well, a couple things. First of all, did you happen to hear, did you happen to see Elon Musk's latest Twitter poll? I didn't. I, I saw something this morning when I was three o'clock in the morning with insomnia and I was going through my news feed, but I, I didn't read all of it. Um, his, his tweet, he put up a Twitter poll. They said, yes or no, convert, convert Twitter San Francisco headquarters to a homeless shelter since no one shows up anyway. Oh. oh. <laughs> Which is just awesome. It's, it's that level of trollery. That it, especially now that he owns the largest share in Twitter. First of all, two things about his his share. It one, it's been great to watch the the blue check mark folks freak out about it. One woman, I think her name was uh, Ellen Rao. I don't remember, that, I may be getting that wrong, but uh, put an article about how uh, Elon Musk possibly opening up Twitter to less censorship is a danger to free speech. Not really sure how that works. <laughs> I did um, hear that. I, I can't wrap my head around that at all. Yeah, well, I heard another good analogy earlier today. Um, I, I don't know who said it, but it, it's apt. Uh, Dar- uh, Elon Musk is Darth Vader, and all these Twitter freakout folks are uh, a guy who you would know on the screen but might not know him by name, Commander Gergerod who was the officer on the Death Star when, during Return of the Jedi, Vader walked down the ramp. Okay. And yeah, yeah. is very nervously saying, um, we're, we're delighted by your visit, Lord Vader. Oh, an unexpected pleasure. And Vader's like, I'm here to put you back on schedule. I mean, that's that's kind of what Musk is like. Uh, he's, he's like, I'm, I'm here to... And another fun, another fun thing regarding what's going on with Musk, um, the last several years, to justify all the censorship of everything, a lot of these lefties have said, well, Twitter's a private company. They can censor whoever they want. If you don't like it, go somewhere else. And now that Elon Musk is grabbing a little bit more of a hold on Twitter, the same people are saying, hey, Twitter is, is too important to, to leave in the hands of a private businessman. Uh, it, it's just, it's funny to watch the freak out. Um, I mean, Musk was originally teasing that he was going to set up his own social media platform. And then he went out and he decided, well, I'll just take what's already there. I mean, the dude's worth somewhere around 220 billion dollars yeah he so, uh, uh the cool thing too is in the stock that he bought he immediately made a billion dollars within a day because yep. of the price surge off the stock that he owns so sorry if you sorry cool, if you're, another fucking rocket yeah baby get him sorry if you're having a little bit of trouble hearing me right now uh my wife has decided to go ahead and hop on the riding lawnmower and is outside mowing <laughs> our grass right now <laughs> that's is that is that like a sign or is that something she does or is she trying to oh, send well look when she, she's going later tonight to a, a business meeting that we have set up. Um, but I was like, you know what? Oh, yeah. Amway. I, that, Amway meetings are great. Yeah, no. Um, and she said, uh, I'm going to, you know, I, I was like, I, I'll get out in the yard later today. I'll mow the yard. And she was like, hey, I like doing that stuff. Um, I think it's not just the fact that she does enjoy being out in the yard and working out there. But she wants to get on the riding lawnmower before I do so that I'm the one out there with the weed eater and the push mower getting other spots and she's out there riding around doing, doing her stuff. Yeah. It's kind of funny this summer when I was um, kind of off and on staying at my 
I we did some podcasts from my friend's uh, ranch way up in the middle of nowhere, the Kelly Ranch. Oh. Um, Jen and Tom, and I got on their lawnmower one day when they were gone, thinking, "Oh, you know, I'll mow it because I have a huge, huge uh, property." Get on the riding lawnmower, get on the old John Deere, and mow the lawn for him. Fuck, I blew it up. <laughs> that sucks. I just thought about that yesterday. I, 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 uh, I texted my friend Jen, and I'm like, uh, "I need to scrape some money together to replace that lawnmower now that it's spring." That was, uh, I felt t- I, nothing I did, but it just, you know, it uh, happened to be when I was on it. Fucking just blew it up. I'm like, oh. Yeah, so we'll see. I'll have to sell Huckleberry into like prostitution or something to raise the money. But uh, <laughs> anyway, back to Elon Musk. Yeah, Elon Musk. No, I think it's I think it's amazing. I uh, I the, the guy the guy is just. Uh, I know he's had some gaffes and he said some things and la la la. I don't care. I don't care. I I, I just absolutely one hundred percent. Yeah, I'd follow him to hell with a bucket of fucking piss. I would. I swear to God, I would. Well, it's the fact that he's. It's the facts that he is rich, smart, and has enough balls to push back because he knows, hey, look, I got like $220 billion worth of shit. What are you going to do to me? Yeah, that's not fuck you money. That's uh, fuck me money. I can fuck myself and still be okay. Yeah, I mean, he, he is he, – I think one of the things that, that pisses off the left the most about him is he's not one of them. Now, I'm not sitting here saying that he's a libertarian conservative and whatnot, but he's not a radical leftist. And he's willing to say openly when he thinks radical leftist stuff is stupid. Right. Um, and I think that's got a lot of people in shock. I don't because they're not used to the pushback. I don't know if you saw what happened to Brian Stelter recently during one of these uh, these Q&A panels. Oh, yeah. 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 The, the, the freshman kid. Yeah. Freshman college student stood up and said, hey, you talk about disinformation. But CNN just went along with the Russian collusion hoax. They went along with the. uh the Covington Catholic kids stuff. They went along with this, that, and the other, you know, and it, all these mistakes seem to go in one direction. How can you sit up here and talk about disinformation and stuff? It's like, well, it's time for lunch. Um, they, they're not used to the pushback, especially if it comes in any kind of coherent manner. They, they want to categorize all pushback as, you know, Alex Jones, kind of the frogs are gay kind of stuff. And, and so when you frogs say, run to intelligent, to intelligent pushback, the way that Elon Musk does it, it, it it throws them off balance because they've had the culture for so long. They haven't had to learn to deal with that kind of disagreement. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, Brian Stelter, he's one of those guys that I have no idea how he got into the business or he became a celebrity or has any money because Stelter he's one of the least talented. That, he looks Stelter's like proof that if you, if you have the right politics and are willing to kiss the right ass, you can go far. He's terrible. And I'm, I don't even care about his politics because I think there's people on the left that are talented, you know. Um, he ain't one of them. He ain't one of them. No, he, it's like if Paul Giamatti and Jan, John Favreau uh, raped <laughs> a potato, he'd be their kid. That's uh, he, awesome. <laughs> that was off the top of my head. Sorry. <laughs> but and, and his voice, of course, just that lispy ass, weak and he looks, and he always has that glint, kind of like Paul Giamatti. You know, when Paul Giamatti starts getting angry, he's got that glint of sweat on him all the time. Yeah. yeah Stelter can't help himself. He looks like a fucking, like a freshly waxed lane where a white bowling ball went down it. I mean, it's just like, it's gross. I know it's, yeah, but it's, 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 it is part of, it is part of the, the general pushback that has started. The backlash began probably about, well, it began with the Let's Go Brandon chance. Yeah. Um, which before that with the F. Joe Biden chance in the college at the uh, college sporting events. Um, I think it's kind of stunned the left a little bit because they're not used to this level of pushback. No, they're not. Um, and they're not used to as many people doing it. 
I, I think they thought we're in power now. We'll just do whatever we want, and the right will go along to get along like they always have. Um, but just like anybody who's drunk with power, they push they push things a couple of steps too far. Everything from the you know try to be less white. I don't even know what the hell that means. To yes, we are going to show your children what our lifestyle is like at the age of six. People are suddenly like, okay, time out. I, you know, I've had enough of this bullshit. It, it's time to show you that you are not the majority that that we are. And you know, you, you push my buttons one too many times. It's starting. I think it's going to continue for a while for two reasons. Number one, I think it's woken up very large interest group of the formerly apathetic who did not want to be involved, but now have no choice but to be involved. Um, and the other reason I think it's going to continue for a while is because I think they're so wedded to this garbage. I don't think they know how to extricate themselves from it because it would mean it would mean disassociating from a core constituency that they've come to rely on. Uh, the right, uh, to an extent, disassociated with some of the uh, quasi-fascists in the mid-60s with the John Birch Society and so on, when uh, William F. Buckley said, hey, we don't need these folks in the movement. The Democrats themselves have done this before. They did it in 1944 when FDR, looking at, uh, was it uh, Henry Stimson, the vice president at the time, who was a communist sympathizer, saying, hey, we can't have this in the Democratic Party. It's going gonna, it's gonna to destroy us. Right. And so they did manage to disassociate from some of the communist elements within the party at that point. But now they're so wedded to it that I don't think they can extricate themselves without being in the wilderness for a generation. Because it's going to take it's going to take a couple of election cycles to win back a couple of election cycles where they act somewhat sane to win back the folks they've driven off. Yeah, I don't know that that's ever going to happen again. Um I, for the sake of the country, I hope it does. I mean, you know, the um, I really do. I, 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 I will sit here and tell you, I've voted for Democrats in my life. I have, and I did not regret it. I did not. I have at the local level, but only at the local level. Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever voted for a Democratic president, but definitely, I've uh, never voted for a Democratic uh, senator, congressional representative. I, I have. President. I definitely have. I, I have voted for Democrats at like county commissioner level. Yeah. Um, but that's that's been the highest it's gone. Yeah, no, and and I got no problem with that, and I would like to be able to do that again someday to go, you know, I'm because yeah. you know if me, I lived in West Virginia, I could probably vote for Joe Manchin. Gotcha, gotcha. I hear that. I don't, you know me. I hate dogma, dogmatic thinking. I hate dogma. Yep. Um, as I as I like to say, my karma just ran over my dogma. So uh, <laughs> thank you very much. Tip your waitresses. Don't even know it, D. I'll have to make a T-shirt. Maybe we'd sell one or two more a month than we normally do. Um, um, anyway, what were we talking about? Democratic presidents or Democrat? Democrat but, uh, voting and dogma. Oh, and dogma well, and it, 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 I was just going to wrap my thoughts up with that saying, you know, and I, we've had this conversation before, and I don't know how much you would agree or disagree with me on this, but I felt that happened to the Republican Party. Um, when George Bush ran against Bill Clinton and the moral majority and the and the hard right, um, religious right, I should say, were such a big part of platforming and some of the other things going on, um, you know, Pat Robertson at all, I think that stunted the Republican Party for a generation. It wasn't, you know, it 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 was brutal. It was brutal. I, we're we're all pushed back on that. I, I don't think it was as wedded as. As you're saying, I think that a lot of the the weddedness of that, a lot of the uh, interlocking arms on that, I think was a lot of a media narrative creation. And I think that was because they saw advantage 
and playing that up because they knew that there's a lot of people, especially in the young in the young demographics, that were turned off by that. Yeah, yeah. And I think that they've they the problem is that they've relied on it so much, and they keep upping the ante each time. I mean, I, I am sure that they are going to try to label whoever gets the next Republican nomination that is not Donald Trump. Like, let's say it's Ron DeSantis, or let's say it's a. Uh, Boy, they hate Ron DeSantis, don't they? Yeah, or uh, let's say it's Glenn Youngkin in Virginia, or Christy Noam in South Dakota, or Tim Scott. That would be fun to try to watch them try to do that. Tim Scott. Um, Tim but, Scott's kind of a gangster too. He would. Yeah, not, well, I mean, look, he would not take that well. After after Donald Trump is the worst thing since you know he's worse than Hitler. Uh, I, I don't know how they up the ante anymore because I think people are going to say, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. You, you said this about Donald Trump, and now you're going to tell me that Ron DeSantis. Or Glenn Youngkin is worse. That's that makes no sense. I think that the the act is starting to wear thin. Um, now, don't get me wrong. There were some, there have been some challenges in the Republican Party. Some 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 Republicans willing to make uh, make bedfellows that maybe they shouldn't have in the interest of victory. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, to, too too much overtly national too much overt nationalism. Yeah, um, you look at 1992 with uh, Pat Buchanan. Um, I'm sorry, that's what I meant to say is Pat Buchanan. I apologize. Yeah. I said Pat Robertson, so let me correct. Yeah, that. Well, Pat Robertson did try to run in '88 for the presidency. He did, but yeah, no, but um, it was it was Pat Buchanan's speech at the convention that was a disaster. Yeah, well, that, that caught that speech and his running is probably what cost George that plus the media narrative of the worst economy in 50 years. Which, if you notice, that narrative turned around literally within 24 hours of the election. I remember yeah, watching that shit and I'm getting real pissed off about it. Um, but yeah, I do think that Buchanan and the narrative probably cost George, George HW Bush, the election in 92. Um, so. Now going to Bill Clinton, let me say, I don't really like hearing a lot about from the left talk about how Donald Trump has got this morally cretinous personality and character, which I, I agree with to an extent. I like his policies. I think he's a little bit of a blowhard, but listening Definitely, to the moral yeah. lecturing from folks who forgave every sin, Bill Clinton putting his dick in the mouth of a young intern uh, and getting away with it, and his constant womanizing and his constant lying about it. I, I really don't want to hear moral lectures from people who held him up as a, as a paragon uh, or a paragon of virtue of some kind. That, it just doesn't wash with me. It's like listening to Eric Swalwell, that, that wonderful congressman from California, trying to lecture people on national security when he was off banging a Chinese spy for a couple of years. Yeah, okay, he's still it, it around. No water. Still around, by the way. Oh, I know he will be because he's in a, a district where you can have a, you know, anybody with a D after the name that gets the nomination is going to win because it's right. bluer than your shirt. Yep, yep. Like AOC's district and some of the other stuff that just and you know, um, I think it's a lot of the California districts and stuff like that. It's gotten worse with with some of the extreme gerrymandering. It, it's hard, there are a lot fewer competitive slash purple districts. Oh, Plus, self sorting in the United States is going on. People. You know, I listen to Colin Coward sometimes, and I love hearing his take on sports. But he's always he's always playing up California. But California's got 39 million people in it. Yeah, California used to have 41 million people in it. People are leaving California and going to Florida and Tennessee. You know, people are self sorting by political identification. I'm not sure that's good for the country, but I understand it. No, I don't. It's going to make congressional seats a less competitive, and since they're less competitive, it's going to make them b more extreme. Well said. Um, how much more time you got? Um, maybe 
20 to 30 ish minutes. Okay. You want to talk about some, um, some of the evolution of the things that used to be great and now, uh, we're ruined by wokeism. Um, we're talking entertainment or life in general, like, uh, some of the childhood stuff you mentioned and, Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let's go ahead. Go ahead. I'll give the floor to you. Um, well, a lot of Hollywood these days, they're not making a lot of original movies. There are almost no original ideas out there. So what they are doing is they are recycling uh, stuff that was nostalgic from our childhood and hoping that the crowds that love them originally will show back up. Um, unfortunately, they're also wokeifying a lot of it. It happened to the Star Wars trilogy, for example, mm-hmm. um, where we got Admiral Purple Hair and uh, everybody under the, you know everybody under the sun you know, being just so woke about stuff and getting rid of, you know, childhood idols like Admiral Akbar for, like I said, old Admiral Purple Hair, um, turning Han Solo from one of the, the coolest guys in the galaxy to a dysfunctional loser dad that uh, <laughs> abandoned right. his kid, basically, and his wife. Um, that's one. Um, I know you love Star Trek, but they have really wokeified Star Trek. Um, I mean, cat. Captain Kirk was, you know, the swashbuckling cool guy that could bed any alien under the sun. Um, and now we've got folks worried about what their impact on, you know, alien cultural phenomena are going to be. Even Jean-Luc Picard, and I know you and I probably disagree on this. I haven't watched all of the series of Picard. I have watched enough and I've read enough. Picard was a lot, was much more of a, a thinker than Kirk was. Mm-hmm. But he's still a man of action. Um, and he's become a crotchety old man in Picard who is bowing to every woke trope under the sun, um, including this, the new storyline where they're having to go back to 2024 to fix the dark universe. If those who don't know anything about Star Trek in the original Star Trek, there was a mirror universe they called the dark universe where earth was a, a fascistic empire and had taken over much of the galaxy. And they can they kind of continued that storyline through Enterprise, uh, through Deep Space Nine, so on and so forth. Well, the new series Picard, first of all, it started with by perverting Gene Roddenberry's utopian vision of a federation where we we gathered aliens together and Starfleet was out for peace, to where it was a xenophobic uh, organization that was only out for itself, which goes against every tenant Starfleet ever had. Uh, and then this, this latest attempt to overturn the dark universe so, somehow can be traced to 2024 and the election or the uh, ascendancy of a politician to start all that. Gee, I, I wonder who they're referring to, Trump, um, as if that's not going to piss off at least 40% of the nation when they do something like that. Uh, like I said, they, they've done it on... On count, I mean the Ghostbusters, uh, all female Ghostbuster reboot they did a couple years ago was trying to cash catch in on cash in on nostalgia, and what it did was it it stomped all over the Ghostbusters legacy. You'd have thought that Disney, when they're starting to make new Marvel movies, would have learned from Marvel Comics of the 1990s, and what I mean by that is, in the 1990s, Marvel Comics started. Uh, a lot of woke tropes. I think they re- they were really were the first to go true woke in entertainment. And what happened was their their core demographic of, you know, 
young men between the ages of 18 and 30 stopped buying their comic books because they didn't want to be preached to. Um, it's, it's, it is why Spider-Man belongs to Sony. It's why Fox was able to buy X-Men and Fantastic Four because Marvel was about to go bankrupt and they had to sell off several of their franchises just to stay afloat. Well, now Disney and the Marvel Universe have decided to go woke. Uh, one of the latest examples is Thor is going to be a woman. Uh, Natalie Portman picking up the hammer is going to become Thor. Uh, as if you know, people are going to buy that. I, I don't think that's going to happen. You know, I, I love me some Natalie Portman, but you know, just making Thor a woman just for the sake of doing it, or increasing Valkyrie's profile just to do it. They only, they only kind of touched on it briefly during the uh, Avengers Endgame movie when you had that sequence during the battle with Thanos, where suddenly you had was it seven or eight women on screen all at once be like, she's got help. And it's, you know, it's girl power. Uh, and, and I'm like, well, okay, fine. But shouldn't we be talk- showing how folks are working together as opposed to segregating themselves and, and going apart? Because a lot of guys, you can, you can bitch and moan about this all you like, but a lot of guys are not going to stay interested in that for more than part of one movie. And if you try to make multiple movies like this, you're going to suffer the same fate that Marvel comics did in the nineties and Lord only knows you're going to be looking back 10 years from now and wanting to know what happened to your profit margin. So those are just a few examples of, you know, Kathleen Kennedy getting in on Disney is one of the things that destroyed the Star Wars franchise um, because they can't build original products of their own. This comes back to school boards and other things. They have to infiltrate already established products and change them, hoping that you won't notice, even though most folks do. Yeah, I I, I get most of what you're saying. I... I'll tell you this, and I've I brought it up on podcasts before. Um, Star Trek Discovery is one of the worst television shows in history. It's one of the worst television shows in history, bar none. It's unwatchable. Um, the only part of it that was cool was when uh, Anson Mount was on there as as uh, Captain Christopher Pike, and they revived his character. I mean, in the entire universe, there is one straight white guy. Because yeah. Discovery, look. I say a lot of shit about stuff like this. It just, it, it was sensation overload. I really tried to get into it at first because, but then, you know, it started with the, oh, we run on mushrooms. Our warp drive is run on mushrooms. Um, <laughs> it's a, uh, it's. Uh, dilithium crystals. Yeah, we, we run on mushrooms now, a mycelium network. That's how we get across the universe in no time. Every character on there was either uh, a person of color or uh, transgender or pangender or whatever you call that. Um, it wasn't very. It wasn't very subtle. It was an attempt to say, "Here's what you must like." And look, it's one thing for folks yeah. to be like that. I don't really care. It's another thing for you to preach it at me. It, that's that's what I'm saying. It, you know, I don't care either. I'm sorry, folks. Get over yourselves. The LGBTQ plus community is not 95 percent of humanity. It's less than a couple of percentage points. Okay, that's that. It is. It is by any means the, the most the most outrageous number that they came up with in studies was eight percent of the population, and I think that's high. But Star Trek Discovery had to take that to the nth degree, where every character on there basically was was pan or transsexual. Yep. That's just weird. Okay, and then to have have the main character, whatever I can't remember the name of the the actress who plays Michael. Well, and uh, why why do chicks have dude names now in TV shows all the time? Uh, Michael Burnham. This isn't Sonia. This isn't Sonia Green, was it? She's a no, no. She's a very pretty black lady. Got the long hair. 
Um, but she's a terrible actress. Like, everything is really... It's kind of like Mark Wahlberg talking. Like, hey, <laughs> hi, buddy. I just ran... How you doing? I'm out of breath because I was just working out. Hey, good to see you, partner. I mean, it was like... It was like listening to Mike, Mike Wahlberg talk. Everything on there. Um, the the, the storyline just got woker, 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 woker till like, every character that was on the bridge was either an alien or some type of transgender or it was Michael Burnham who oh by the way committed high treason and should have been in military prison for the rest of her life but she becomes a captain again and commands this vessel um, I did see the trailer for the new Pike series the the, um, the new series is coming out that's uh, Christopher Pike uh, Anson Mount who I really liked I like as an actor a lot and then of course Re- Rebecca Romaine is his XO so that's worth that's worth a watch <laughs> that'd be interesting Yes, and she was really good in those in those episodes that I saw. I think season two of Discovery, but um, yeah, it just blows me away. I'll disagree with you a little bit on Picard. Um, you know, the original concept with the whole, you know, I I know a lot about the lore and the history of Star Trek because I am a I am a Trekkie, and you know he was not he was not the as brilliant of as an actor as he is. And I did get to see him when when I was in high school. He played Richard the Third in a in a live play Shakespeare play, and I got to see him not knowing who he was. But good guy's a brilliant actor, Patrick Stewart. Um, and uh, so what they did was they realized that the uh, they did most most of the executives did not want him as Captain Picard. They had somebody much different in mind, and his stoic and very stately nature. So what they did was they took Commander Riker and really expanded his roguishness uh, in the couple of seasons, two yeah. seasons two, three, four, and kind of made him that Kirk, that counterbalance to Picard. He had a lot of Kirk in him, you know, big, handsome, strapping guy, like the like the ladies, like to drink, like to play his trombone in the uh, <laughs> in in the holodeck. Um, but they are. I think they were doing. They're doing kind of a cool thing with his character now. I think um, I really enjoyed the first season, especially seeing some of the old old folks from Next Generation make uh, their and um, Jonathan Frakes, Commander Riker, has directs most of the episodes, and you can tell he's got a pretty big hand in it. Um, I do like the story. There's there was a couple of moments that bothered me. I like the new characters. I like his crew. I like the Spanish gentleman. I can't remember his name, um, who's the captain of that ship that he's on. And then, um, God, the black female. She's uh, she's very attractive. She's she's a good actress. I love that Seven of Nine is part of the crew again. Love, love Seven of Nine. I mean, I love Seven of Nine. And then Allison Pill, who plays the doctor. She's just a good actress. She's one of the homeliest girls on planet Earth, but she always manages to play. Her, her acting is just awesome. I love her. So I like the storyline there. The wokeism, I don't know if you've seen the episode where he uh, um, Ten Ford, where he finds finds a bar named Ten Ford and it's actually Guinan, but 300 years before he meets her. And so she's a young black woman. She's not Whoopi Goldberg. It was a different actress. And That kind of disrupts the continuity from one of the episodes where Picard went back in time to San Francisco in the late 1800s and it was Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, I know. And I and I did notice that, but that got a little wokey woke because her whole thing was nobody's going to come into a bar where a black female owns it in 2024, and you know the things that. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me with this stuff yeah, right that's now? Crap. This is it, 1952. Okay, no. this is this. You you own the day right now. People like Whoopi and stuff like that own the fucking day. They're almost until the last few years have been unchallenged in the in the pushing the woke agenda. So that that bothered me a little bit to kind of rehash all that and you're right about the candidate in 2024. But I do like this story. I will admit. Discovery is junk. Discovery is a fucking steaming pile of shit. I think that the writing was terrible. All they tried to do I don't know if that fucking was it 
Kripke, one of the guys that was a showrunner on that or something like that, he he likes to woke shit up in the Marvel universe as well. He was the supernatural um, guy, which I loved, but he was a showrunner. I love I love supernatural, but it went downhill when Kripke left. Yeah, it did. And, and he's a talented guy, but I saw him on an interview and he was just like, yeah, people were giving me shit because I made Captain America or Captain Marvel a female. Well, you can all eat a big bag of dicks all the way to the sun. That's what he said on the interview. I'm like, oh, that was mature. That's what he actually That's going to win over a lot of fans. Yeah, yeah. It's, and, you know, he's like five foot three and he looks like that he's suffering from fucking some horrible, <laughs> virulent form of gonorrhea and liver disease. And it's like, yeah, you don't want to talk like that, dude. Um, but I get it. The Star Wars franchise, you must be... I know you're hurting over it. I know you're angry over it. Probably more angry than hurting over it. I just such a... I was so looking forward to these series and movies to kind of move the story forward. But probably like you, I was thinking of, oh, it's going to be great. Luke's going to be married to Mara Jade. And, uh, you know, from like the comics and the movies and the video games, mm-hmm. and they're going to have the Jedi Academy again. And they're going to be raising Luke and Leia's kids as the next generation of great Jedi. And boy, they did not do any of that cool shit that they did. In no. This. Nothing. Nothing. And I got to tell you, Mark Hamill never really liked the guy. I think he makes a good animated Joker voice. I would smash him into the fucking face if I was in the same room with him at this point. All the all the crazy leftist bullshit that he's reeling off. And, I, you know, I almost tweeted him when he was, like, doing that gay, 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 that stupid shit that, that was a lie that there's no such thing as don't say gay, Bill. But yep. it's like... Didn't you, in the in your first scene back as Luke Skywalker, milk some weird fucking creature and drink the milk and make a weird face? And, you know, uh, that was like reintroduction to you where uh, what's-her-face Ray was back there. That was so weird. That was so disconcerting, that scene where she goes to the island where he is and he's like milking some yep. really gross creature and drinking it and making faces at her. I'm like, this is fucking Luke Skywalker. You know, if you follow like the video games and the books and the and, and the thing, the comic books that happen after um, the uh, original lore, he became a badass. I mean, he was a fucking badass. Yeah, you know? he, he he was he was became a Jedi master. That's one of the reasons why John Favreau put the, some of the Luke scenes in the Mandalorian was to right. show what he was actually like. Right, and uh, whatever he became, this hippie ass, weird, feeling sorry for myself, recluse thing, that just that, that tore me a new one. And then, like you said, the storyline where I'm surprised, I'm surprised that our boy Han Solo, I, I'm really surprised that he even allowed it, he even allowed that storyline to float around like that. That he didn't. I think he did it because they ended up killing Han Solo, and he wanted Solo dead in Return of the Jedi to add gravitas to the character, not realizing that these are children's movies that they sell toys about. Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. So that that whole storyline where his yeah, ugh, everything about it grossed me out. Everything, and you know, the the stupid, stupid, stupid resurrection of uh, what's his face, the emperor. Um, yeah, that was just it's a tired old trope. It, it means there's no tension. If anybody can come back at any time, there's no tension. I, I despise that terribly. And they they were trying to retcon episode nine because they understood that Rian Johnson destroyed everything with episode eight right. and they just, they shit on everything. I've seen rise of Skywalker once. I've seen the last Jedi once. I won't watch never, it again. They, they I've, destroyed, never seen, I've never seen rise of Skywalker. I refuse to watch it. I, I watched it once just to see what it was like. And it was to me, every bit as bad as I expected it is to that, be. Is that the last one in the series? I'm sorry. Rise the last one that had, uh, that I, did I have Palpatine seen, return. I saw the trailer and it's like, I'm um, nope. I, and I actually like, uh, oh, what's the name of the actor that plays, Ian McDermott, Kylo Ren. Oh, uh, Adam Driver. Oh, I'd have known it if you hadn't said it. Adam Driver. 
Adam Driver, that's it, yeah. Yeah, I actually really like him as an actor. I, I actually really do. He's an odd-looking fellow, and I'm not into him being a leading man, but if you've ever seen some of his work on Saturday Night Live with the humor and stuff like that, he's a funny fucking guy. He's also a former Marine that has a sense of humor. If you saw when Ricky Gervais tore all of the actors a new one during the Oscars a couple of years ago, uh, Adam Driver is one of the ones in the audience that's laughing his ass off at it. I Yeah, I... I, I can't remember where I first saw him. I'm like, wow, this is a really homely dude. Well, we know you were a big watcher of girls. <laughs> I've Did seen I... zero minutes of girls. Zero minutes. <laughs> the only thing I've ever seen is uh, I clicked on, it was like clickbait, and I click, and there's Adam Driver with his face buried in the butthole of one of the girls from the uh, from the show. And I'm like, okay, that's enough. I did not need to know that. Yeah, and then Lena Dunham doing nude scenes. I'm like, ah, that's enough. That was kind of like uh, what I put on uh, the Adam Carolla podcast yesterday where I saw that. Um, <laughs> what's her face? Lizzo. Uh-huh. Remember I sent you that photo off the off my t- a screenshot? Oh, my yeah. T- yeah, the, yeah, I remember. Yeah, let's let's for the big people girls. being obesely, I'm sorry, morbidly obese. Yeah, and I'm like, instead of looking for big girls, why don't you look for a fucking salad? And then uh, Corset got me some hate over there on that webpage, but I don't care. I don't give up. Look, I'm sure we could do an entire episode on obesity. <laughs> yes, we could. And Lord knows that I, uh, I'm i not obese, but I do struggle with, you know, being a little... So do I look... I'm, I'm 180-ish pounds. I would like to lose 10 to 15 pounds. Yeah, but no, I also understand that that's in my control. I, I, The reason I haven't lost that weight is I'm not willing to do what it takes. And I don't mean from an exercise standpoint because I exercise seven days a week. I'm on the, the elliptical four days a week. I'm walking my dog three to four days uh, the rest of the week. Right. But I enjoy my food. I enjoy some sweets. I enjoy some sodas. So that's my choice. I'm simply not willing to make the choices necessary to lose that weight. And if people who are obese who are, who are obese would accept that, I can have more respect for them. But they don't want to see anything as their fault. Right. No, I hate that too. And it's just it's just uh, most of the people that died during this COVID thing had were were obese people. There was a comorbidity with being obese. Absolutely. Seventy eight percent of the people who were hospitalized or died were were categorized as obese. Huge comorbidity. I wanted to ask you one question before we start wrapping up, and and I'll ask you one final uh, topic before we get off. What did you think about? Um, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Um, I liked it. Um, I think I think I have trouble being objective about it because it was a, it was more of a much like uh, Spider Man No Way Home. It was a nostalgic fan service film. Yeah, it was. I, I it did was. enjoy it. I don't have a problem with that though. Yeah, I, I did have a problem with it. Not a problem. I, I did enjoy it. Like I said, I I, have, I would have trouble being objective about it because like when when Spangler came on near the end, I'm like getting a little bit choked up. I realized that oh, God. kind of revoked I pulled, my like, man card. I bawled like a baby. I did. Um, I, I did enjoy it. I liked the uh, the actress that played uh, Sp- uh, Spengler's granddaughter. She's been she's in wonderful. She's wonderful. She's, actually, she's been on uh, the Young Sheldon uh, okay. quite a bit. Okay. Um, I think she's got a bright future as an actress. She kind of reminds um, me of uh, what's the Millie? Uh, what's her name from Stranger Things? She's kind of that level of. Uh, of- I, I've only seen a couple episodes of Stranger Things, so. And I haven't seen it in a couple of years. Oh, so. I'm surprised. Dude, I think you'll love it. I think you'll love it. I've been needing to get into it, but it's a matter of time. But oh, um, I, I did enjoy it. 1980s, everything everything about it's perfect. The kids are fucking fantastic actors. Yeah, yeah. Millie Brown, I think, is her name, the young actress who plays the... Yeah, yeah. one of the things that I... The, the new Ghostbusters tried to undo everything that the Wokeified all-female Ghostbusters did, which was good. It completely ignored the existence of that universe, which, you know, some of the, some of the folks who... That, like the four folks in the United States who enjoyed the old that wokeified Ghostbusters were pissed off about, but I don't care. Um, right. So 
I enjoyed it. Trying to put it in context of movies overall, Vice, the time period it came out is challenging for me. So it's hard for me to give it a a rating one way or the other. I would watch it again because I enjoyed it. I'm not sure it's one of the greatest movies of all time. Um, no, I wouldn't but, put it up there either. I have three. I have three minor complaints with the Ghostbusters Afterlife, and these are okay, fairly. Are they? Um, um, shit. What's his name? The actor, the funny guy that's on there. That's the love interest of the mom. He's been in every comedy. Oh, ever. Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. I fucking love Paul Rudd, and he needed more screen time when he became yeah. the when he became the hellhound. Then he just disappeared for like the last half of the movie. I thought that was a bad choice, and I love Carrie Coon, the one that plays the mom. I think she's a great actress and sexy as fuck. So I was like, yeah, they probably should have expanded that storyline. Um, I wanted more of the old school guys on there. I mean, I would have dragged that last battle out for a while so I could see more Bill Murray being Bill Murray and, and Ernie Hudson. And I just loved it when they showed up and, uh, I would have liked, there was only maybe five or six minutes screen time with them on there. And I would have liked to seen a little bit more of that. Yeah. I think, I, I think they actually did that well. And here's what I mean by that. Um, I agree. Most folks wanted more, but if you're, if you're a decent storyteller, what you want is you want to give folks just enough to where they're begging for more mm-hmm. because if you give them too much, they grow tired of it. And I think they did that intentionally to get people's, you know, appetites wet a little bit and say, okay, now you know, I, I got to have more. I love that. And I think that was intentional to make people like the movie more so that they didn't grow bored of it over time. It's, it's like, it's like when uh, WWE brings in the midget wrestlers and they sell out an arena for a night and that's great because everybody enjoyed it. But if they try to do midget wrestling all the time, people get bored of it. I can't imagine anybody fucking enjoying that. And my stomach's a little sick even thinking about it. Right <laughs> now, so. Thanks for that. Were you, what are your other two issues? Were you there when uh, – I can't remember. We'll, we'll move on. But uh, were you there <laughs> when fuckers took me um, – I think I was at Sac State still. And fuckers took me to um, Hooters for my birthday lunch. I do remember hearing about it. I wasn't. I didn't go. I didn't know if you went with us, and I couldn't remember. But there was a bunch of us, and they purposely set it up so that the waitress was a small person. <laughs> and uh, and for those of you, for those of you that don't know this about me, and I'm not proud of this. I just want to say I have to own it, though. I fear the fuck out of midgets. I do. And uh, and uh, so well, the reason he's afraid of me. Oh my! Exactly. I used to say shit like that to you all the time to tease you, but. Um, the uh, I hear, sir, did you order the fries? And I turn around and there's like a three foot little gal that's uh, wearing the Hooters stuff. And I yelled and I dropped my napkin. <laughs> and she looked at me and just threw the fries down on the table and kind of ran off. And that was with oh Joe Torres and um, that other California National Guard dude that worked over there for a while. And Jason and uh, there was a few, I think Mocker was there. They were dying. I mean, they were literally dying. I wish I'd been there to see that. Yes. I, I, I felt terrible about it, but I was like, you motherfuckers, you motherfuckers. I'm going to fuck you all up in one way or another. Of course, I thought it was hilarious. It was a great prank. Um, I got owned on that one a little bit, but off topic. All right. So before we wrap up, is gravity a force or is it an effect? Gravity is an effect. It's not a force. I agree with you 100% on that. You know, I spend a lot. Now we're stroking each other again. I know, but I do. But I spend a lot, you know, you know, physics is one of my passions. I spend a lot of time and I love some of the, you know, quantum uh, gravity theory and some of the other stuff that's starting to come out now. 
The reason it's not a force is that every other force, according to the standard model, is associated with a particle. That's just what I was going to say. Yep. And there is no particle. There's no graviton. We've never discovered it, even with um, the, the, lar- uh, hadr- the large collider, hadron, large collider, and all that kind of stuff. Nothing. Nothing's ever showed yeah, yeah. up. Matter of fact, Gra- now, a prevailing theory is gravity is nothing more than an effect of time. Time determines yeah. gravity, which is interesting. Yeah, if, if you imagine space as a superfluid, uh, gra- gravity is the result of a dense object in the middle of that superfluid that warps space-time. So anything that happens to come happens to come moving by will roll slightly towards that, that, that curvature. It may roll more or less depending on how strong the curvature is, but there's nothing about that object that is reaching out to grab something to pull it towards it. It is an effect right. of how that object is affecting space-time. Right. The other... The other three forces, the strong nuclear force, the weak nuclear force, and electromagnetism, and possibly another force they're investigating called quintessence, which they think may be responsible for the expansion of the universe. They all have particles of some kind associated with it, just like you said. Um, They've theorized that a graviton may be a massless particle, which I'm not trying to wrap my head around a massless particle is one thing. But even so, a graviton is not going to be able to reach out. Uh, They don't reach out across the universe and start affecting things. Something that is sufficiently dense can affect things that are literally light years away because it causes a curvature or a wobble in the rest of space. To just much like if you are on the side of a hill and you know you're you're kind of leaning towards going down the hill, um, it doesn't mean that you know you're forced that way all the time. But the effect of the gravity at the bottom of that hill is going to force you to kind of lean that direction. Um, we bring this up because this is going to sound weird, but my my soon to be nine year old and I had a had a brief, a mild argument over gravity being a force or an effect um, because her tests, I'll call it a force. Um, I think it's one of the reasons why uh, we've never been able to reconcile the theory of gravitation, the theory of relativity with quantum mechanics right. is because quantum mechanics deals with forces and gravity is an effect. Um, now, I don't know how you, how that, you know, how that equates to, uh, you know, limitations on the speed of light and stuff. I don't claim to understand the math of that. Uh, one real quick thing. I know you're familiar with black holes. It's going to sound like a tangent, but it's really not. Um, are you familiar with the theory of white holes? I am, yes. For those who don't know, white holes are predicted by the theory of relativity, even though they've never discovered one. A white hole, where a black hole is something that the gravity is so strong, nothing can escape once it's crossed the event horizon. A white hole is something where the energy is so repellent, nothing can cross into the event horizon. My, my eight-year-old, who so far claims she either wants to be a microbiologist or an astrophysicist, um, says she wants to be the first person in the physics community to discover a white hole. Nice. I love that. Well, tell her to be both because, you know, I have both a biology and a physics degree, uh, undergraduate level, of course. I'm not a doctorate in either one of those. And it's it's pretty cool knowing a lot about both of those things. But uh, my, my passion now is when I can't sleep at night, normally what I'm listening to are, are, uh, are uh, quantum theory lectures or simulation theory lectures or something. We'll have to talk about simulation theory one of these days, too. Yeah, first of all, I imagine that we've lost about half the audience, at least by now, who's like, what the hell are they talking about? I'm going to listen to I can to tell else. you we lost half the audience when we started talking about Star Trek and Star Wars and shit like yeah, that. Probably. I get that all the, the time. Uh, Old neighbor of mine, Ron. He's like, he's like, yeah, I like this episode, but I could really do without the Star Trek talk. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if you've. There's a cool video on YouTube called "The Future of the Universe," where um, it's like 
nine, it's a 30 minute video, nine minutes in, it's several trillion years in the future and all the stars are already gone. And it goes through the rest of the universe that, that kind of both, both very mind bending and a little depressing. It is depressing um, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I had a, I had another mind bending theory that in a way could be categorized as the multiverse, but um, you know, a lot of folks, whether religious or not, I don't want to get into that, but they say, you know, the universe started from the big bang, the infinitesimally uh, small, compact, infinitely dis infinitely dense mass that exploded into the universe. Well, who's to say that that's the only infinite density mass that exists? Imagine something four quadrillion miles, four quadrillion light years away. There's another big bang that exploded into another universe that's, you know, expanding our direction. Um, Or imagine that there are a hundred or a thousand of those out there expanding in all different directions and possibly possibly bumping into each other one day. Just imagine what the what the effects of multiple multiple singularities uh, out there exploding into each other. Uh, what that could possibly represent, and let's not forget that uh, when we're talking while we're talking about black holes and the speed of light and physics and everything. You know, normal mathematics would would lead you to believe that the universe should be no more than about 27 billion light years across, because if the universe is 13.7 billion years old and nothing can move faster than the speed of light, then the universe should be no no older than I'm sorry, no more across than 27.4 billion light years, because that would be as far as light could travel in that time frame. But they've measured the universe as somewhere around 96 billion light years across. And the reason for that is while nothing can travel faster than the speed of light within the universe, space itself, when it expands, much like one of those, those, you know, weird balls that you just pull apart, space can expand as fast as it wants. So pulling either something is pushing out on the uh, exterior, on the uh, uh, balloon of space, or something is pulling out on the balloon of space and it is expanding faster than the speed of light, Um, which is another, that's they the reason that that comes back to the original point is that if the universe is expanding that rapidly, then gravity is not going to be strong enough to keep it coherent for all of eternity. Eventually the universe is going to expand into nothingness. And it was, you know, there were theories years ago about gravity possibly creating a big crunch and bringing the universe back together one day, but the universe is expanding too fast for that. So gravity being in effect, uh, the, the boundaries of the universe are growing faster than that effect can affect things. Right. Well, and, and I'm I'm a big proponent in that gravity actually doesn't even really truly exist in in, in our dimensions, the, the four dimensions, you know, the three dimensions in space-time. It actually exists in the other hidden dimensions. That's where the source of gravity comes from. And it, like a ripple effect, like throwing a, a big rock into a pond, you feel the ripples, but you have no idea what the rock was. You just feel the ripples. Yeah. And, I, and I, I truly believe that in a lot of my studies. Again, that's the source of gravity. It does not exist in the dimensions that we can navigate with our brains. Well, th- this is going to come across as even nerdier than we've been talking already, but there was a, a great short story once to illustrate that point. Um, to try to understand higher level dimensions, it's like a cube traveling to a sheet of paper that's a two-dimensional world and trying to explain what a cube or a sphere is, what a three-dimensional world looks like in two dimensions, the, and you can't the do immortal, it. The immortal novel Flatland. Yeah, the, the, the square would not understand what a cube is because it doesn't have the reference point for the dimensions. Much yeah. like it'd be hard for us to understand. I believe in Einstein's uh, theories, there are 10 possible dimensions, I believe. There may be more than that, depending on 
what the mathematics eventually show. But, you know, how do you explain a fifth dimension or a sixth dimension to four dimensional beings like we are? And we are four dimensional beings because time is an additional dimension. It is. I just I, I have a little mini library over here in my in my apartment and I just wanted to. Is that, is that going to show up? Hold on. Not really. Let's see. There we, we go. Brian Green. Yes. The hidden reality. Hidden reality. And he's also, um, for those of you who are into such things and want somebody who's very accessible, I'm not a big, uh, I'm not a big, I hate to say this, but, uh, oh, what's his name? The big black dude who has the Star Talk show, Tyson. Oh, uh, Tyson's a, Tyson is a, he's a, he's a celebrity. He's a, he's a charlatan. He's a celebrity. He's, he's, he's making name, he's making money off of his name. That's all, and I, I don't particularly like him. Brian Green is one of the most accessible people's. Michio Kaku kind of started that trend. I like, I still like me some old Michio Kaku too. I, I like him too, but he he has become somewhat Hollywoodized. He has too, but Brian Green is not, and he uh, he's very accessible. Has done some fantastic videos, documentaries. Um, the Elegant Universe was probably my favorite book of his because it actually describes how everything is so perfectly balanced. The numbers of the universe are so perfectly balanced when you talk about strong force, nuclear force, the strong nuclear force, the weak nuclear force, electromagnetism, gravity, things like, you know, the distance, the fact that the moon perfectly covers the sun. It's 100 times smaller than than the sun at its distance and blah, 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 blah. It, um, he, he gets really way into that. And he's very accessible, um, very likable. So those of you that want to learn anything and, and uh, don't have to get a physics degree, grab one of his books or just watch one of his videos. Um yeah, he hasn't quite gone the Hollywood route that a lot of these guys have, which I appreciate. And yeah, I, I know Neil deGrasse Tyson. I actually can't fucking stand him. I used to listen to Star Talk all the time, but he's got a dude on there, Chuck Nice, the comedian, who's a complete racist. Um, likes to talk bad things about white people all the time on Star Talk, and and uh, he's just become a caricature of a astrophysicist who believes his own bullshit. Yeah. You know, that's probably not going to be popular with people saying that because he's oh he's so likable. Yeah, he's he's a goofball. Yeah, I think Brian Green uh, gave an interview a while back. I need to go find it again. Where he he said that um, he didn't believe in the concept of free will. Uh, I, I've seen that. I've seen that. I've seen that. Um, he's big on that too. Yeah, um, that's that's kind of that. That was kind of a big thing a few years ago too. Um, oh, good old Sam. What's his face? Oh. Uh, oh, uh, big podcast guy. He's an atheist meditation. Yeah, Sam Harris. Sam Harris. Yeah, he's really against the whole idea of free will, too, that everything's predetermined based on materialism. It's the only thing I don't like about Brian Greene. Well, I shouldn't say I don't like. I disagree with him. I like Brian Greene. He's a great educator. But he is an adamant reductionist science guy and an adamant atheist and won't even allow the possibility. And whenever you do that kind of thing, you close your mind to that kind of thing, then I, I lose a little bit of respect for you. Yeah, well, I mean, as much as I dislike some of his public policy stuff, Francis Collins who was mm-hmm. the, he's been big on the COVID stuff, which I know a lot of us don't like, director of the NIH, but also was part of the Human Genome Project, was an atheist right. until his mid to late 20s, and then became a Christian because he understood that the universe, there were simply too many coincidences to just write off as coincidence. I'm sure I have the book over there somewhere. Signature of the Cell is the book that he wrote on his experiences running the Human Genome Project, yep. and how elegant that DNA and all of that is and, and just all the systems and how they work, that it was so elegant and so ridiculously complex yet elegant at the same time that he had no choice but to think there has to be a maestro. There has to be a craftsman. This could not have possibly fallen together accidentally. Yep. Yeah. So. You end up with, you know, the concept of infinite regression, uh, you know, the, the, the concept of causality, 
it, it becomes you know much more mind bending stuff. I mean, I'm not look. I am so I don't mean to raise my arms there and and blind y'all with the uh, reflection. <laughs> White flash um, there. I, I am not uh, a fundamentalist, you know, Christian who believes in the literalness of the Bible for a lot of reasons, especially like the way it was written. Sure. Uh, the mindset was written and so on and so forth. But I am a big believer in God. I believe the universe is infinitely complex. And one of the things in studying it is just how elegant it is, how subtle it is in its complexity. Um, anyone who ever wants to see something that's mind blowing, go Google an image of the universe where it shows the, uh, the different threads and galactic clusters. Um, Coop, I- I'll ask you this. You probably know. What does that look like? Neurons. It looks like the brain. It looks like a brain. It, it looks, looks like exactly a brain. like the neurons you, in the brain. If you do a 3D map of the brain and the way the neurons go, the synapses and all that stuff, they look exactly the fucking same. Exactly. Yeah, and you know, I, 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 I had a cup of coffee in medical school there for a couple of years, so I kind of know a little bit about it. And it does. It just absolutely does. Yeah, it's one of the reasons I call the universe the brain of God mind of god it's, it's astonishing actually the construction of it it that gives you it, it gave me shivers the first time i saw a really good 3d rendering of what like you said the galaxy superclusters and and all and how things are the universe the going through the great void that's where somebody had an aneurysm you know <laughs> <laughs> um anyway no, it's, it's interesting so, yeah i don't know how we could geeked up so badly on that but that's all right um one quick thing to wrap up. I was going to say before we get off, but anyway, oh, go ahead to my phone that I hear going off. Uh oh. Yeah, I'm sure my coonhound's pissed because it's outside and he's probably wet. And I kicked him out of here because he was being annoying. Um, but anyway, oh, we can wrap it up. Um, did I have something else I was going to ask you about? I guess not. So you didn't get to hear you didn't get to hear the uh, intro music this time because I honestly was working hard trying to get the podcast from yesterday fixed before we got on today. But uh, I think you'll like the intro and outro music, so make sure you listen to the pod, and I will get that uploaded. It's probably not going to be tonight. I think it would be rude not to upload the pod that I did with Jane yesterday. Uh, yeah, first. ladies first. I see how it is. Yes, yes, yeah. She's uh, yeah. She's she's a. I don't know. She's she's a smart girl. She's she's fun to talk to. You've talked to her. Very smart. Even if she thinks of me as a formula person. <laughs> oh, Jane, I'm never going to let that go. Ah, that was my fault I brought it up, wasn't it? Or did she come up with that? <laughs> I don't remember. I don't either. Yeah, it's, she's funny. She's very nice, but she sometimes forgets to pull punches when she's talking. And it's like, wow, <laughs> she just said that. That's amazing. <laughs> But no, I, I uh, uh, it was it was fun catching up with her again, and then of course uh, we always love the endless ranters, um, Manny and our guy Christopher over there. Um, we should we should get together with them pretty soon again. I, I always enjoy those pods with those two. And uh, next time I have Jane on, um, jump on with us. We'll uh, yep. We'll have to be the beauty and the bastards. Maybe I can come on with like one of my t-shirts that has an equation on. I can ask you to solve a formula. <laughs> And don't make it make it like PV over NRT. Don't make it something easy like E equals yeah. MC squared. Let's let's do Boyle's law or something like that and see if she gets it. <laughs> I can't believe that just popped out of my head. I don't think I've thought about Boyle's law since I was 19 years old. But oh well. Awesome. I, but I can't remember where I put my fucking keys. <laughs> I, well, folks, we've gone off the rails here. I think it's about time to end. That's all right. That's what people like when we go off the rails. At least that's what I hear from the good two, podcasting. The two listeners of our pod that are still left. So if you, okay, if you hung on to the end of this podcast and you say the secret word on our Facebook group page, Russ, what's the secret word? Uh, Anything you want. I'm just. Secret. 
Secret word is humble. That's that's a secret word for you and me. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't get spoken very much. Um, okay, and if you post the word humble to our two grumpy bastards podcast page, I promise you a reward. That's all I'm gonna say. A reward. He's not committing to a reward, so he's not held held anything, you know, out of the, out there. That's right. Yeah. Where it might be it might be two grumpy bastards uh, podcast merchandise or you know, I might send you like it could a, be a photo of the two of us all oiled up as as Chippendales. That'd be hot, actually. That'd be that'd be I guess I'd be Swayze and you'd be uh um, Chris Farley. Chris Farley. <laughs> One of the funniest things that's ever happened in history. I always laugh when I watch that. Anyway, all right, buddy. It's good talking to you. I'll let you get to your family and your meetings and, you know, having to okay. rake up after your wife out there. So, Awesome. All right. Take care, everyone. All right. Thanks, buddy.